What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the I Love Gold podcast. The vibes are excellent today. I am Tyler Brooke uh, from Acme Packing Company, joined by Chris Burke. Chris, are you feeling as good as I am? It's always good when you beat the Bears. Um, vibe check, 10 out of 10 uh, to, to steal Justice's bit. Um, it always division wins are huge, but when it's against the Bears in their in their house, it's a it's a fantastic way to start a work week. My uh, feelings on the rivalry have changed so much over the last five six years. You know, I always hated the Bears. Uh, I moved up to Chicago in 2016, and I met a lot of like lifelong friends up there. Uh, so the rivalries just started to become more, a little more friendly, but at the same time, a little more vicious. I think that especially took place a couple of years ago. Uh, I took a new full-time job. And when I came in, they found out I was a Packers fan and they harassed me. I started that job in March of 2019 and uh, leading up to week one kickoff Bears Packers. I heard about that for probably six months straight about how they were, you know, it was a new Bears team. They were going to kick our ass all this good stuff. So let me tell you, walking in the next day after that game, I, you know, was polite the whole time coming in that next day. I did wear the Jersey, made sure everyone knew. So I think that's why I feel as strongly as I do about this. You know, I still own you moment Um, in a rivalry that can get chippy at times. uh, That just, that moment might be one of the best in recent Packers bears rivalries. You know, it's it's not it's not a successful Packers season until there's some kind of a catchphrase yep. with Rodgers. I mean, 2014, it was relax. There was run the table. Um, you know, the last couple of years, I keep wanting to go back to the, you know, the, where we got the name of our podcast. Um, I, you know, there's always some kind of a catchphrase with a with a strong Rodgers season. And now that we've got one for this year, I feel like we can really start to cook. But um, yeah, to get back to what you were saying too, I lived on the Illinois-Wisconsin border for five years. Um, so I walked into Target there when I moved there and they've got Packers and Bears merchandise on the shelf. And I'm like, well, what in the cinnamon toast you know, F is this? It's like, what, <laughs> why is this, you know, this, this is a thing? So I mean, I was surrounded by Bears fans too. I mean, it was a fun, you know, a fun jab, um, you know, just playful jabs. But I also spent a year in Minnesota um, amongst Vikings fans and that was different. Uh, my current boss now is actually a big Vikings fan, but it's been really friendly with him. But when I lived in Minnesota, it was terrible. Um, <laughs> I can I see mean, that. I mean, I'm not kidding. There were, there were homophobic slurs being directed at Aaron Rodgers. It was, oh my, from, you know, just, it was unbelievable just how cruel that was. But I know not all Vikings fans are that way. Somebody's going to get in their mentions. But I mean, I just don't know. There's, there seems to be more vitriol between the Packers and the Vikings than the Bears. It's more of a begrudging respect, but we still like to, you know, it's a rivalry where, you know, you go to a Packer Bear game, you can rib the Bears fans all you want, but just still invite them over for a beer. I don't know if you feel that same way with the Vikings fans. 
Uh, yeah, um, I dated a Vikings fan at one point, so I have some opinions about that. Um, but we are not going to cover that today. This is all about the Packers-Bears recap. Um, I agree with you, though. The begrudging respect is probably the best way to put it, because, you know, despite all the differences, despite the hostilities twice a year, sometimes three times a year, um, it is at the end of the day, the Bears still have a very storied history. You know, it is one of the oldest franchises in the league. So, you know, credit where credit is due. And uh, what a game. Let's get into it. Let's talk about it. You know, we already talked about the I still own you. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out before we even get going is once again, someone made the incredibly foolish decision of mocking the belt. You never mock the belt. No, no, you do not mock the belt. Um, you know, and it's funny, same such, you know, it's kind of funny how we go back to my current boss. We actually had a social event at a bowling alley last night. He's a Vikings fan. He picks up a spare and he does, he does the belt. So I go up immediately behind him and I throw a perfect strike and I actually put the belt back on. So that is a rule, whether it's with Aaron Rodgers or anybody from Wisconsin, if you're not a Packer fan, thou shalt not mock the belt. It's like an NFL commandment at this point. Don't do it. It'll end badly for you. Um, apparently people haven't learned that after 10 years. I think I ran the analytics, the saber metrics, you know, really dived into the film. And I'm pretty sure oppo opponents are O and 57 when they mock the belt. That's just science. Uh, I think I'm really am wondering because that happened early on when the protection was bad and all this. I really do wonder if that also helped trigger Rogers going off after that rushing touchdown because he put the belt right back on, like you said. And it is one of those things as he gets older where, you know, we actually don't see the belt too often. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's kind of it was just kind of like an early, early career thing. I mean, he really took the, the belt after, you know, they won the Super Bowl. They really didn't, you know, he really kind of put it away after a while. But I mean, obviously, with, you know, a lot of the, you know, the um, noise about Rodgers over the last couple of years, you know, it's it, he's, he's got that chip back on his shoulder, which, you know, that that's probably why he brought the belt back out. So. You know, maybe that's uh, hopefully that's a sign of good things to come. We can get a little more of that 2010 magic. Totally agree there. I do think the, you know, obviously the I still own you quote got all of the headlines, but I really do think the absolute key to this game was just how incredibly effective they were on the ground. Uh, over 150 yards rushing as a team, over five yards per carry as a team. Both Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon had exceptional performances on the ground. Uh, I even saw a little gap run concept in there. AJ Dillon had uh, his career longest run. I believe it was like 36, 39 yards, something like that uh, off a gap run where they pulled Newman and there were just some exceptional blocks by him and Mercedes Lewis that opened wide up. And, you know, that's kind of counter to LaFleur's uh, offensive philosophy, right? You know, from that Shanahan tree, you love a lot of zone run concepts, things like that. So to see some power in there, especially with a back like Dylan, uh, really awesome. And I like that they got creative against a really solid Bears front. Yeah, I mean, especially when, you know, they, they're still missing David Bakhtiari. Um, you know, this is going to serve them well going forward because now you've got all this, you've got players when, you know, once they get everybody fully healthy again, you know, unfortunately Josh Myers went out again, but, you know, they've got, if they're going to have this experience behind them. That, that depth is just going to help them out down the road. But I mean, like you said, fantastic run game. Uh, if you can, you know, if the Packers can control a game like that without Rodgers really having to go ham, you know, in terms of yardage, I, that's a really good sign long-term too, because then, you know, what that sets you up for, 
when the baton is eventually passed to Jordan Love or whomever, I know we don't want to talk about that midseason, but you know, time of wait holds still for nobody. You know, that's a really good sign that, that the offense can do that because that'll make life much easier for a younger quarterback. But also in December this year, I mean, they they want to run the ball. If that just if they've got to respect that run game, that's going to open things up for Aaron Rodgers even more. And who look out. What cracks me up is that like people, including Skip Bayless, because of course he is, but people are thinking that he isn't playing well. And I, I don't know what they're watching. I'm pretty sure Rodgers did not have an incompletion when thrown within 20 yards this game. Um, he was, you know, as efficient as can be, no interceptions, uh, you know, two touchdowns to the air, touchdown on the ground. Uh, it is one of those things where as he gets older, like it's kind of nice for him. I'm sure he imagines like he does not have to throw for 400 yards in a game. They have, uh, you know, like you said, an incredibly deep offensive line and this running game. So I think when you can, based on the opponent, find that balance, that's where the offense becomes deadly. And then, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit later. You can get MVS back you can get Bakhtiari back. And that's when, you know, all the tape you've shown is a balanced offensive attack. And then once you're fully healthy, you can really start letting it rip. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think Aaron Rodgers has been, you know, week one as we go on is just going to be an outlier, but it's, you know, you're five games after you still kind of weighing down, you know, some metrics and some numbers, but he's been playing quite, like it's almost been sneaky. Well, he's been efficient. He's been smart. Um, the only nitpick I've got is that they haven't been able to connect on some deep balls, but that, you know, that might just be an MVS thing that without MVS to stretch the field, that might be throwing a wrench, you know, a little bit into the deep passing game, but uh, you know, he's been, he's been playing incredibly well. He's been playing smart, uh, you know, within the structure of the offense. Um, you know, that's, that's going to set him up, you know, going down the road that he doesn't have to be God. You know, that's that's the whole point of why they brought in Matt LaFleur is just so Rodgers can just, you know, run the offense. He doesn't have to play hero ball all the time. And we've been seeing that, you know, throughout the first six weeks. Only other thing I wanted to bring up about the offense uh, is that offensive line depth. I do really think, you know, losing Myers stinks because, you know, he's really come along well and it is exciting to see the future of him. Uh, but I will say man, Lucas Patrick, after struggling, you know, early on moving him to center, I do think he's playing pretty well. Uh, Matt LaFleur in his press conference on Monday said that he did have uh, Patrick as their highest graded offensive lineman internally. So that's really good to see. He is an established veteran. Uh, I believe uh, once I watch the film, I am leaning towards highlighting Patrick for Wednesday's film study piece uh, on Acme Packing Company. So keep an eye out on that. Uh, not a guarantee. You know, I always just like to see what I see on coach's tape before I make a decision. But, you know, with how he came in, you know, pretty early on and stepped up. That was a really good feeling. Yeah. Another, another versatile guy, right. Um, you know, you love to see that very, you know, and you know, when you, whenever you change centers middle of the game, that can sometimes lead to disaster. I mean, Rogers is obviously an experienced quarterback, but uh, you know, when you change centers mid game, sometimes that can lead to some problems at the line of scrimmage with communication and all that till they at least get their feet under them. But, they didn't miss a beat. Um, Patrick's been very good. The only concern I've got, though, is I think he's still going to keep John Runyon Jr. off the field a little bit. I still think he's better off long term. But if Patrick keeps playing as well as he is in center, you know, if they do get Josh Myers back within a couple of weeks, is that going to keep, you know, JRJ on the bench a little longer than he really should be? Because I really think, you know, if we're talking about the offensive line, I think he's really kind of needs to be on there and maybe sit Royce Newman a little bit because, 
Yeah. Newman's played, he's had his moments, but he's also been, um, you know, he's probably been, if there's been a liability on that line, it's been Newman. Yep. I totally agree. I mean, I think in an ideal world, the way I see the offensive line, I do, I, Patrick might be competing here at guard job. You might be right there, but uh, I think Bakhtiari, Jenkins, Myers, Runyon, Turner would be the best. And again, we have to just shout out Billy Turner every week. I feel like, because again, he's a guy that does not get talked about a lot. Uh, he did struggle early on in his Packers career, but man, he is just continues to be such a steady force at right tackle. Did not see that coming. Um, I remember, you know, how much they'd struggled to find, uh, you know, a replacement long-term right tackle after Belaga left. So, you know, shout out to him really great, uh, you know, performance so far this season, but let's go ahead and move on to the defense. Uh, you know, it wasn't the best performance, but I do think it was actually pretty solid. I think they held on, they played another athletic quarterback and uh, held their own. Obviously, I think a lot of that starts with number 97 up front, Kenny Clark, uh, just another dominant performance. He is stringing so many of these together this season right now that he is absolutely showing why he deserves to be one of the highest paid defensive linemen in football. Yeah, you know, he's gotten the contract, but you still don't hear a lot of people talking about him as one of the best defensive linemen in the league. He seems to keep getting bypassed on that. And I'm like, what else does he have to do? I mean, he's not putting up double-digit sacks, but, you know, if you watch any amount of tape, you'll see he's just, he's a game wrecker up front. You know, if the Packers, once the Packers get a little healthy at edge, you know, I think they can, he's, maybe that's when he'll start picking him up. I don't know, but I mean, he made, he made the, we'll talk more about it um, down the line, but he made more, he made those two sacks yesterday that all but sealed the game. I mean, what else does a man have to do to start getting some national respect? Um but I mean, just, just what he, he, I mean, he just destroys offensive line. And, you know, when you got a mobile quarterback like Justin Fields, you need that. And he, uh, who he came through big. Yeah. Who else, who else stood out to you on the defense on Sunday? You know, for, I got to give Joe Barry credit, you know, I'm going to give credit to the coordinator instead of a player. Okay. I like it. You know, we kind of, we kind of, um, he, after that first week, you know, the, the pitchforks and the torches were already out after week one. Um, but again, with Justin Fields there, you know, and when Fields got drafted, you, know, you weren't on staff yet, but a lot of us were like, God, why did the Bears have to get him? I mean, okay, Matt Nagy's kind of an albatross. But, you know, I just had visions of this game kind of being, especially with how beat up they were. I kind of, I wasn't getting quite Kaepernick 2012 visions, but it was, you know, I'm like, boy, if there's going to be a, if Fields is going to have a breakout game, God, it could be against the Packers. They kept him in check. Um, you know, he's still, I, I still, he's going to be a very good quarterback, you know, we, to praise the Bears for a little bit. I think Fields is going to be fine, but, you know, I got to give Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator, all the credit in the world. He's, you know, with all the flaws he's had, he's, especially with the defense being ravaged by injuries. And again, it, uh, we saw it on Sunday, he's got them playing competent and, you know, they're not, they're not a liability right now. And I really think when you're secondary, you pretty much don't have a preferred starter in the secondary right now. And you're playing at that level. I think that's a good sign for them going forward. That's a really good point. I, I do appreciate the shout out to Barry. Uh, I'm saving a little bit about Kenny Clark. Cause I know we want to talk about him more later, but when you are playing without your top two cornerbacks and your top two edge rushers, Preston Smith was out most of this game. Um, and you still pressure fields on over 40% of his dropbacks. That's just a phenomenal performance. Uh, 
I'm very excited to see where they keep going with this. I think they are starting to add some layers in. And the fact that, yeah, they did contain a mobile quarterback for once in the last two decades, probably uh, felt really good. Um, obviously, I think a lar- large part of that is Devondre Campbell, the man that Justice and I have started as much probable propaganda as possible. Uh, that probable vote needs to happen to everyone listening as soon as voting opens because um, the joke early on on the podcast feed at the beginning of the season was he was, you know, the best inside linebacker since Desmond Bishop. I can't name you the best inside linebacker he is since. I really don't know. Yeah, you know, it's somewhere where jokes become truth. Um, kind of what, uh, <laughs> that's kind of what's happened here. It uh, Jokes become reality. Maybe that's what I'm getting at. But. Yeah. I, th- you know, he's been phenomenal. Um, you know, he's, he, he's been even better than confident. He's been good. I mean, he's not a liability in coverage. He's, you know, when he, when he does press, he does get, he almost gets home. I mean, he's, you know, and he's around the ball. I mean, he's not, he's not a liability, which I mean, I know the bar is pretty low for Packer, you know, for Packers inside linebackers, but he's actually been really good. Even if you ignore, you know, our previous history. So he's been very fundamentally sound. Definitely, I think, worthy of a pro ball consideration uh, when that uh, voting open. So I, I wholeheartedly endorse that as well. It's, to me, it's the way he evades blockers when he reads his keys and finds the rushing lane. And then the way he tackles. I can't remember the last time I saw a Packers player that reliable tackling. It's just he's such a big body in there. And, you know, he's got some long arms and he just kind of engulfs ball carriers. So again, all the credit in the world, uh, maybe I'll shout him out every single week. You know, we're just going to indoctrinate the listeners into getting those Pro Bowl votes. So when he does make it, you know, we're going to take some credit. Definitely do that. Uh, only other name I had written down uh, because Isaac Yadam got benched so early after that uh, pass interference call. Uh, I was pretty impressed with Rasul Douglas, someone that got signed, what, a week and a half ago and was forced to play almost the entire game. Outside of that atrociously stupid penalty with the helmet-to-helmet contact on Justin Fields, uh, I thought he actually did a pretty darn good job covering. Uh, From what I looked at on Pro Football Focus, I believe he was targeted six times but only gave three or allowed three receptions. So uh, all in all, a good day for a guy that was not even on the team two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, what else? What else can you ask for at that point? All at that point, you know, when somebody's coming in back after being signed, that you know, after that short amount of time, you just don't want him to be a you don't want him to be a liability. Uh, he definitely was sound. You know, he's only going to get better, obviously, if that's going to be his debut. Um, don't like to see players diving at heads of opposing quarterbacks, like you said. But uh, I mean, yeah, overall, he was, you know, he, he was he was competent. He was, you know, he. What am I trying to say here? He. You know, he didn't, you know, he, he wasn't Kevin King. I hate to, I hate to trash him, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I mean, he was, he played fine. And, you know, that's again, you know, with as beat up as they are, is if these guys are playing well now, you know, that's just going to help with depth down the road. And, you know, that'll allow, you know, as far as rotation of personnel and, you know, getting creative with some, you know, you know, with its different players and different dime packages, you know, that really definitely will pay off down the road. So you know, they're winning games that, you know, they're playing well. Now, once you get everybody back, just think of the options Joe Barry's going to have. It is weird. I vividly remember watching Rasul Douglas play in college at West Virginia. And it just felt like, I think he had one season where he just had a gross amount of interceptions. And it was like, this makes no sense. Why are people even throwing them the ball at this point? 
but the other name I am very curious about, I'm extremely curious about Quentin Dunbar. You know, we can we can talk another time about all the weird offseason stuff with DeAndre Baker. But as a player, when he was in Washington a couple of years back, you know, he was a player. So someone I'm really interested in seeing if they call up uh, moving forward because they really are going to need all of the cornerback depth help that they can get. So keep an eye on that. Uh, only other thing I had written down for this game, uh, we got another Bojo bomb or what do they call it? A Boho blast. <laughs> I'm seeing that around there now. Uh, shout out Michelle Burton. I think she's been trying to get that started for a while. Um, but that might have been one of the most damn impressive punts I've ever seen. Uh, 82 yards for a touchback. So 62 yards net uh, in the air and then rolling in. I, I've never seen a Packers punter kick it so far that the return man had to turn and run backwards. It was, it was a heck of a kick. Yeah. And you know, what's, what's crazy about that is that's not even the longest kick in Packers history. Um, Don Chandler had a 90 yarder um, in 1965 and that's actually the longest in Packers history. So, you know, punting hasn't always been a problem for the Packers, but uh, you know, I, that was, that was an unbelievable punt. And, you know, we were concerned, you know, when he shanked that one, Last week, we're kind of like, ooh, what was that about? And I'm like, I thought it was going to be an outlier. It looks like it has been. So, but I mean, man, that was an impressive punt. And when you've got a wounded uh, defense, you know, a good punter is your best friend. Well, do you have anything else you want to talk about for this game, Chris? You know, I, I could talk about, I still own you again. Uh, I, I think uh, we have an update about that with something Acme Packing Company is working on uh, a little bit later at the end of the episode. But anything else you want to talk about? Just real quick, I just want to, again, I want to praise Justin Fields. I mean, the numbers might not have looked completely sexy, but I think the Bears actually might have a quarterback. They just need to get a different head coach. And I know a lot of Bears fans are going to agree with me, kind of, you know, I know that strange bedfellows. But, I mean, Justin Fields can be really good. I just think they need to get, they need to get somebody from that. I think if he played in like a Shanahan-type system, like the Packers are running under the floor, I think he'd be a lot better because Matt Nagy's kind of come from, Andy Reid's style system. And I, if they expect, you know, Fields to be Patrick Mahomes, that's not, you know, that's not who he's quite going to be. They need to get, I think he would do fine just in a Shanahan, you know, that type of style of the West Coast offense. But I got Justin, I'm sorry we got to face him, you know, twice a year going forward. But I mean, Justin Fields versus Jordan Love, maybe that, that could be fun. Uh, I completely agree with you. I'm glad you brought it up again because I do think we need to praise Fields quite a bit. Uh, I think it's just the competitive nature of how he plays. He plays very aggressive and the way he composes himself. Uh, if I was Justin Fields, I would be uh, taking shots at Matt Nagy any chance I could get. So I really appreciate the composer there, composure there. Uh, one comment that stuck out to me in the preseason was when Bears fans were booing Andy Dalton in that preseason game. And he was just talking about like how that's not going to help anyone. Um Loved him at Ohio State, even though I'm an Indiana guy. Just the way he played was awesome. So I appreciate you bringing that up, Chris. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. Uh, When we get back, let's go into our regular I Love Gold segments. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Chris, let's go ahead and get into our segments, starting with the gold zone updates, our favorite, our namesake. I am thinking, and I, Chris, I am worried. Do you think that I still own you is going to take over? I love gold. Are we no longer relevant? I don't think so. (laughs) God, I, I hate to, you know, three episodes in the relevancy disappearing, but, uh, you know, that, that, like I said earlier, that's, you know, every Packers season seems to have a catchphrase, you know, the, the good seasons have a catchphrase. So I think this is a good, this is a good omen. And, you know, I was thinking of this too, is this maybe why the, uh, why the bears had to buy an alternate site for a stadium is because Aaron Rodgers is evicting him from their lease at soldier field Ooh. rightful Ooh. owner of that stadium. I, you know, just, just kind of a theory on that. Uh, but I, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're going to, that, that's going to get so much run on social media, at least until the next Packer Bear game. I hate Soldier Field. I know we've talked about it before. I hate Soldier Field so much. It's a crap venue. I love that it's on the lake. It's a beautiful area for it. The outside of the stadium is cool. Inside's trash. I'm sorry, Bears fans. I don't like your stadium. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you talk about how to ruin an NFL stadium. That, whatever they did when they did a revamp on that, I'm so glad it wasn't the same you know, they didn't have the same architecture architects or um, designers that did the Lambo renovation because Lambo came out beautiful. Yeah. Um, Soldier Field kind of turned into a hot mess. You know, garbage. The, the turf has always been trash, but I mean, inside the stadium is a uh, ooh, oh boy. It's not a bad. It's not a bad stadium for the Chicago Fire. So I've been to some soccer games there, and they're actually pretty fun. So even though the Chicago Fire are also trash. That's for another podcast, but let's again, let's get back into the gold zone updates. Uh, we had a good outing. We had a good outing this week, uh, three for four uh, in the red zone. Only non-touchdown trip was Equinemius St. Brown's touchdown that got called back on a very questionable offensive pass interference. And let me just say, I felt bad for the kid. Uh, I know he hasn't played particularly well, but that was a heck of a catch. And for him to get it called back, it kind of felt like, uh, you know, Jacoby Myers in the Cowboys Patriots game scored his first uh, career touchdown, which was a huge moment. And then it got called back for holding. It was just one of those same feelings. Like, can't you give the guy a break? Yeah. I mean, I, that would have been so big for him. I, I still think it kind of should be. I mean, that's probably something where Matt LaFleur, maybe Aaron Rodgers are telling him, look, hell, hell of a catch. The official screwed you on that one. Just keep, keep, just keep doing what you did there. You're going to be fine. I mean, that I was waiting to ping Tex Western, our managing editor, who's been on the EQ train for years. You know, I was about to do a pants check for him when that happened. And I <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, couldn't send it because of that God awful flag. But um, I think that was, you know, that, that would have been huge for him, but I mean, I, he's, he's going to get his, he'll get another chance. I, I, I agree. I will say the one thing that we had kind of criticized before was getting too cute or maybe not enough creativity at times in the red zone. Uh, but we got some of that, that shovel pass to Lazard was perfectly executed. Uh, they have run that pop pass to Devonte or Aaron Jones at the one yard line. So many times 
that you can tell that the Bears just totally bit on it. And I think one of my favorite quotes was that LaFleur did talk to Lazard when they drew up that play, just saying like, hey, just so you know, if we run this, there is a free hitter that can come into the hole. And Lazard was like, oh, that's just fine. I'll just run through him. That's not a big deal. And he did exactly that for the touchdown. So um, I have watched that play a bunch of times. Uh, I just think it was set up so perfectly. Oh, I mean, that was, it was a beautiful play design, borderline pornographic. Um, but they've actually, I forgot who tweeted it out, but they've run that same concept three times right around at the one, maybe the two, or, it was inside the five. They've run that same concept three times. You know, it wasn't always a shovel pass, but it's resulted in a touchdown every time. But I mean, that was, it was beautifully drawn up. Because um, I didn't even know, I, it, it faked me out and it almost faked the cameraman out on TV <laughs> a little yeah. bit, but it was a... Uh, just a wonderfully drawn up design. Um, Lazard, you know, big, powerful blocking wide receiver. Not surprising that he's like, oh, yeah, I'll just plow through my guy. No problem. And lo and behold, he did it. It, it stood out to me how well he finished that with strength. And it makes me wonder. I would love to see some more. This is crazy, but like some designed runs for Lazard. I think he is such a fun player to watch when people are trying to bring him down. Uh, you know, we see a lot of those plays where he's like an offset tight end going into block, you know, just offside or inside the tackle. Um, it's like a weird H back kind of role. Um, I would love to see some like jet sweeps or something off of there. I think there's some potential there. Cause he did, like I said, he does finish for power. And if you need like a yard, I think that's something that could be, you know, drawn up. Uh, but the, like that being said, as far as overall standings, now they did move up a few spots in the gold zone standings, uh, 21st in the league with a touchdown percentage of 58.3. Uh, so we're getting there. I think it's going to continue to, you know, build off of this. Uh, I'm very curious how it looks with some of the upcoming opponents, but you know, going upwards is always good onward and upward. Yeah. Um, definitely a uh, def they're, they're getting better. It's arrows pointing in the right direction. Um, you know, you, you really nailed everything else there. I, they're, I think they're just going to, they're going to be just fine. And after uh, you know, after that, I think they got a little bit of boost of confidence with that Lazard touchdown. Um, don't want to get too cute, but you can definitely, uh, you've got some options there. We have to give another defensive update because I know it's on the top of everyone's minds, but, you know, going into this game, the defense uh, had allowed touchdowns on all 13 opposing red zone possessions. Uh, the 100% streak continues. It is now, I believe, 15 for 15. Um, the one-yard touchdown to Khalil Herbert after that, um, you know, pretty rough Yadam penalty. Uh, second one was a lot more uh, uncomfortable as far as they got them out of the red zone uh, on a pen a holding penalty to negate a touchdown uh, and then still gave up one. You know, that one was rough. I, I don't think it's as backbreaking as it seems, but I'm curious for your take on it. Obviously not sustainable. Um, I mean, we are, however, getting, we're two games away now from the halfway point of the season. So I think if it's going to, if it's going to break, it's going to have to come this week against Washington because Arizona does concern me. But uh, I, they, they, that that won't keep happening. If they, that will be a, uh, that will be a footnote, a very bad footnote in history. If that actually goes sixteen, excuse me, seventeen games, force I have it. Um, <laughs> yeah. If you know, if they get if they don't, if they can't stop in the red zone an entire season, that would be awful. But I mean, at the same time, you know, outside of the twenty, you know. The other 80 yards of the field, they're fine. Between the 20s, they're just fine. It's just that's the rest of the uh I just I don't I just I don't get it at that point. I, I was perplexed last week and I'm even more perplexed now. It's gotta come to an end, right? 
Oh, it's got to at some point. And like I said, I think Washington's a good opportunity for that. But, you know, if you look outside of just the red zone numbers, the defense is holding up actually quite well. I believe currently in their total defensive numbers, I don't have a ton of stock in that, but I believe they're top five right now, which is very weird. Um, there is a lot of positives. You know, they are starting to get more pressure. Uh, they're getting more creative with the defense. And, and during this five-game win streak, they are allowing fewer than 20 points a game, which is, you know, that's the number where you want to look at. You know, that's really positive for me. I just think it's, uh, you know, once they finally do get down there, you are starting to see a couple of miscommunication issues. Uh, but I think those are slowly getting cleaned up. Yeah, um, you know, that's it'll come around they're finally positive and point differential you know despite I mean, it's kind of crazy they're four and one you know they were still negative in point differential between uh for and against but uh i think uh it's it's going to come back at some point it, it i mean it has to right I, I just from the you know knowing what i know about football and what everybody knows about football this just it seems weird but it you know sounds cliche but it all works out in the end i think that's kind of what's going to end up happening here I'll just go with the hot take. I'll say that the streak is broken next week off. Uh, I'll just say a turnover. I was going to say interception fumble. We'll just say turnover, make it vague. Um, so if that happens, uh, Chris owes me a beer. That's what we're going to go with. He he has to. That's the rules, right? Them's, them's, them's the rules. Um, and if they don't, um, I'll just settle for a crisp high five. I'll be cheap. <laughs> uh, we'll do a zoom high five or something like that we'll get creative with it uh let's you know let's go with into the panning for gold the packers positives uh my favorite segment of the week and again we talk about this you know on those once we have one of those rough podcast episodes after a loss you know these will be a little bit more uh fun uh when there's a lot to pick from though you know it's tough but i'm going with this week uh, the fact that we officially can dub Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon uh, thunder and lightning. I do not think uh, it's any question at this point. Uh, I think what I really appreciate about this is that LaFleur is finding ways to get both of the top two running backs involved. Uh, Jones had 35 snaps this week. Dylan had 25. Uh, you are starting to see a lot of balance. They are figuring out their roles. They are both versatile at this point. Uh, and I do think that's it. The biggest reason the offense is moving uh, with all the injuries. Yeah, I think, you know, we saw we saw the potential between Dylan and Jones going into the season. Yeah, it stunk losing Jamal Williams. Great guy, fan favorite. But just with the type of player Dylan is, you know, if he's being this effective in October, imagine what he's going to be like in December, you know, cold, snow. You know, he's kind of like your prototypical winter back. And I cannot wait to see that. Um, I'm a big fan of cold weather football. I mean, you're a Packer fan, you kind of have to be, but. You know, I just, I love the frozen tundra, the mystique about it. And I cannot wait to see what he, those two can do come December. Cause if they're playing that well now, if they can keep, keep building on this, uh, they can, they can run to a championship. You heard it here first. You know, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers has to throw 150 yards each game. No, but I mean, if they can just get Rodgers, if they can win games comfortably with Rodgers throwing between 200, 250 yards, I would love that. I mean, it's not going to be great for a fourth MVP for Rodgers. Sorry, but. You know, in terms of effectiveness and how to win football games, that's really the way to do it. You don't need Rodgers. Like I said before, I'm repeating myself, being God. It's great for the highlight tapes and great for social media, but, you know, in terms of smart football and how to win football games, it's what they did, what Dylan and Jones did yesterday against Chicago. That's really how you want to win football games, and I think that's how Matt LaFleur, specifically when he talks about marrying the run with the pass, that's how he wants to win games. 
still the, my favorite Dylan highlight was last year in that one of those winter games against the Tennessee Titans, where he just ran through a nose tackle, like all the way through him uh, and knocked him on his ass. The, the strength will be evident. Um, can't wait to see where thunder and lightning go from here, but what is your Packers positive, Chris? Obviously I'm this very much not an under the radar. I got to go with uh, Kenny Clark. And I don't think anybody from APC has actually sung this yet. Tex, our editor, created this guy back in 2018, you know, with the baby shark craze, you know, we got Kenny Clark, Kenny Clark, somebody, either he or um, Lindsay on our social media account will tweet, tweet that out. But I mean, again, yeah, absolute human wrecking ball. You know, he, those two set, you know, the bears were starting to get close, starting to drive, you know, they were down 10 points, you know, they, they would still need to gotten the ball back and, come down the field, but I mean, he shut that, he shut them down and he ended the game kind of having his, you know, no, it's not the Super Bowl, but he kind of had a red white moment, two sacks, three plays sealed the game showing he's worth every penny of that contract he signed. And I'll repeat it again. He still does not seem to get enough respect outside of Wisconsin for what he does. I mean, put some respect on that guy's name. It's uh he's obviously we've come to expect that for him, but it doesn't mean it makes it any less enjoyable to watch. And if uh, they need to get him another, they need to kind of still get him a running buddy along the line. Dean Lowry's actually quietly had a very strong season had yep. another good game Sunday, but you know, I still think they need to get another monster alongside Kenny. I that would make that defensive line terrifying, but again, yeah, Kenny Clark, fantastic job. We're used to it, but uh, the way he kind of took over the game at the end is, you know, something we haven't seen a lot from him, but, you know, great to see. Uh, speaking of potential defensive line help, uh, Justice put this in the Slack earlier, but uh, the Houston Texans released Whitney Merciless. Uh, at least I remember correctly, that is how you pronounce it. Um, but that is a guy 31 years old that is an established veteran defensive end that I would be very interested in, you know, kicking the tires on. Uh, but to your point with Kenny Clark, I think we are starting to see a lot more of the production simply because to your point earlier about Joe Barry, uh, Barry is utilizing him and kicking him out a little bit farther, you know, getting him in those one-on-one mashups against some guards, uh, you know, where he's playing, you know, the three, four eye technique uh, between the guard and tackle, you know, getting those one-on-one matchups with those guards. Um, it's where he shines in pass rushing situations and to be able to use him like that, instead of having him on the center, trying to get pressure from, you know, just the nose uh, that's where we're starting to see the sack numbers go up. And I think, uh, that's where we're going to see a lot more product productivity, especially once the edge rushers are healthy. If, if Sedarius Smith comes back, uh, knock on wood there. Um, good. I liked that one. You know, obviously any chance we can get to hype up Kenny Clark. I'm a big fan of let's go ahead and move on to the news nuggets, which, you know, you guessed it. It's uh, Tuesday morning recorded on Monday night uh, podcast episode. So of course it's going to talk about injuries. Uh, but let's start with the positive new first. Matt LaFleur did confirm in Monday's press conference that David Bakhtiari will return to practice this week for the first time this year. Applause. Insert applause. There we go. Um, he did not commit to him playing this week, but that's definitely a step in the right direction. Chris, I imagine you're super fired up. Oh, yeah. To get uh, to get Bakhtiari back is going to be phenomenal. That gets Elton Jenkins presumably back, back at guard uh maybe i mean patrick's done well enough at center i think he could leave him there i know there's been some talk about moving elton to, uh center if uh myers is out for a long time but i, I obviously when you ever you get the best left tackle in the game back it's huge um but shout out to every you know to elton and uh 
Nyman, everybody has done a phenomenal job overall, but you know, Rogers has been under duress a little bit the last couple of weeks. Um, but he, I, I'm, I'm ready for, I'm ready for some 69. That's, you know, <laughs> Oh yeah. Let's, uh, let's just cut that out of context for you. We'll put that on your, uh, your uh, Twitter bio, something like that. Um, wow. Okay. I need to, I need to regroup for a second. All right. We're good. <laughs> um, I'm very excited. I mean, he's looked like he's been moving around fine. Uh, I am totally fine with them being patient with him though. Obviously it's great. That he's going to be back at practice. That's one of those injuries though. Absolutely have to ramp him up. Uh, can't wait to see him back out there though. Everyone loves that guy. You know, it's one of Aaron Rodgers' best friends on the team uh, protecting his blind side. Can't wait to see that again. Um, now to the, you know, not great injury news. Um, despite, Bakhtiari returning to practice. Lafleur indicated he was not sure if Marquez Valdez Scantling is going to return to practice this week. He is eligible to return off injured reserve. Uh, he has missed three games with a hamstring issue. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, maybe the hamstring issue is worse than we expected, but that is one of the guys as far as the passing game that you just you just want back in time for that tough stretch of games coming up. Yeah, you, they, you know, we were talking earlier, we touched briefly on, you know, that they've been struggling a little bit with the deep balls, and I think that's where you need MVS back. You need somebody that the defense is going to respect as a legitimate deep threat. Um, the Packers outside of Devontae Adams, do they really have anybody that way right now? Not really. I mean, you could maybe try to utilize Randall Cobb a little bit more in that role, but they're not going to respect him nearly as much as MVS solely because of his speed. Uh, but I, you know, I, I'm, they definitely do need him back because they, they got to be able to start stretching the field vertically, um, a little bit better, but you know, that might seem nitpicky when they're winning games, but long-term they really, they really do need that to make this offense fire on all cylinders. And I think that's might be the one thing that's really holding them back. Over the three games the MVS has missed, uh, Devontae Adams leads the team with 359 receiving yards. Second place is Randall Cobb with 99. So there is definitely some discrepancy there. They are missing that big shot, as you said. Um, I wrote down a bunch of other injury news. Uh, we can try it and gloss through this real quick. Um, Kevin King and Preston Smith are unlikely to hit injured reserve. Obviously, Kevin King with a shoulder issue. Uh, I can't remember what Preston was dealing with, but again, he missed most of Sunday's game. Uh, but the fact neither of them are expected to hit injured reserve does seem like some decent news. Um, Jair Alexander's update was that, you know, he's coming along nicely. They are still not ruling out the potential for season ending surgery, but they like the way he's progressing. Uh, Josh Myers is expected to be out a few games uh, and the injured reserve is likely for him. That's a big blow. Uh, and no word on Darnell Savage, who left the game with a concussion. <sighs> okay. I, th- I think that's it this week. Uh, we need to stop having these weeks of all of this injury news. Yeah, you know, they've, they've been actually under the first two years under Matt LaFleur. They've been very fortunate with injuries. Um, shout out to the coaching staff for how they've been structuring practices, but it's the NFL. It's a war of attrition. You know, you're going to have injuries. It's it's going to come back to haunt you. And, it, you know, the Packers have had their share um, so far this year, but they're five and one. Can't, can't complain. Oh, I, I completely agree with you there. I think one of the things in, you know, my mind when I was looking at the schedule is, you know, no matter what happens with injuries and everything like that, if you can get to that stretch of what is it? Cardinals, Chiefs, Seahawks. I feel like there's someone else in there. Um, if you can get there five and two, six and one, that's an absolutely massive win. You know, the one seed's going to be really tough. Uh, the Packers do have the hardest remaining schedule uh, in terms of football outsiders DVOA. 
So getting any wins you can uh, to secure playoff seating uh, is, is vital. And I, the one thing I, it still drives me nuts. I hate the expanded playoffs. The fact that only one team gets a first round by now is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that's going to be me yelling at a cloud for a little bit, uh, especially the fact that we, this is a complete aside, but we're having Monday night playoff games now. Like, are you serious? You're getting, giving someone an immediate disadvantage if they win a playoff game mm-hmm. with a short rest. <sighs> I'm, I'm sick of the the money grabs, man. You know, let the players take a breather. It's a it's a long season. These guys need to rest their bodies. Yeah, the if it if it ain't broken, don't fix it. But you know, the NFL is notorious for breaking things that are not broken. Um, but to kind of go back to you know, we're talking about the DVOA rankings. You know, the Packers do have the toughest schedule. The better the on the other side of that, though, the other three teams in the NFC North make up of the entire NFC North. I think makes up four of the top five including Detroit, which I don't know how you're persistently bad and you get that kind of a schedule. I mean, that for them, that sucks because they, they can't seem to catch a break. Um, They're the team right now. They're the team right now. Win the division, get that first home game and go from there. You know, that's, that's priority one is win the North. The the Lions are that team where I just feel bad for them. Like that's the division rivalry. Like, can they win a game? Like, just give them a win. They they need it somewhere. Maybe not against the Packers, but you know, I don't want to see Dan Campbell cry again. I kind of like that guy. He seems like a fun guy. Definitely the most entertaining coach that they've had in Detroit since since Jim Caldwell. Yep, the most exciting uh, <laughs> coach they've ever had. I was gonna go with I was gonna go with Wayne Fonts, but you know that works. Or Bob, maybe even Bobby Ross. Uh, I could not name you all the Detroit Lions coaches of my lifetime. Uh, you know, I could try. I, I think I would fail, um, which is unfortunate. You know, maybe that franchise will turn around one day. It does not seem to be anytime soon. Um, well, you got you to gotta remember, I grew up watching Barry Sanders, you know, r- running over the Packers. So it, uh, <laughs> I've gotten to know some of their coaches fairly well. That's totally fair. Uh, We have known other news to cover. Uh, Hopefully there's less injury news and some other interesting stuff. We are approaching the trade deadline in a couple weeks. So something to keep an eye on. Maybe we'll have some news for that in the coming weeks. Uh, But let's leave you with gold rush. Uh, I did want to take a moment. Uh, I have to apologize to two of my friends, Matt and Nick, diehard Packers fans. I've known them almost my entire life. Uh, From the beginning of this podcast, they have been wanting a shout out. And every single week I forgot. So Here's your shout out, guys. Uh, I am so sorry. That is 100% on me. I wrote it down this time just so you guys have it. Um, Chris, can you just say something nice about Matt and Nick. You have no idea who these guys are. If they're good enough for Tyler, they're good enough for me. How does that work? Yeah, that's <laughs> that's perfect. Um, I Only other things I have, uh, just go on Twitter. Just search I Still Own You. Uh, I have found so many good memes in the last 24 hours. Um, it's made it, it's made it hard to work. It's made it hard to do the day job. Just looking at some of these, I saw Lord of the Rings one. Um, just do it to do yourself a favor, go on Twitter for like an hour and you'll really enjoy yourself. And uh, a little exciting Acme packing company announcement. It does look like we are about to be selling some, I still own you shirts. Uh, the proceeds will be going to charity. Keep an eye out on that. I will, I will obviously be tweeting that I'm sure Chris will be as well. Um, I'm going to buy 20 and send them to all my Chicago car workers. That seems like a pretty good idea, right? Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's a great shirt, you know, especially if you, um, if you've changed jobs recently and you're embittered, you know, it's a great, great way to, you know, if you ever walk back in there and, you know, like kind of stick it to your former employer in a, in a weird way. Uh, it's, it, it's a, I've seen, we, I think we both have seen the, 
preliminary preliminary design. It's phenomenal. Um, I think it's. Uh, <laughs> I just I I love that so much. I love that whole saying so much. It's something we're gonna. I'm definitely gonna work into my vernacular. Oh, absolutely. And I I wrote one last thing down. Um, I want Chris to do the honors though. Uh, were you talking about wrapping the show up? <laughs> uh, I had, uh, I had one other gold rush note for you. Uh, and it's a classic iconic Packers song that I love playing every week, regardless of whether or not they're playing Chicago. Oh, of course here, I'm looking at my show notes and I missed it. Oh, did I miss comedy? But yes, friendly reminder to everybody out there. You know, there was a lot of talk this year, but as surely as night follows day, the bears still suck. We'll leave it with you guys there. I already did the I Love Gold Blast at the beginning of the episode. That's how good of a mood I was in. But thanks so much for listening, everyone. We will see you next Tuesday. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? And how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.